Welcome to this week's episode of Two Brothers and Their Sports. Arsh and I are finally together, and this week on the show, we're going to start off by talking about the World Cup Finals between France and Argentina, who we think is going to win, and basically the outcomes for that game. We're also going to talk about Steph Curry injuring his shoulder, being out for the next three weeks, what that means for the Warriors, and then finally, our weekly segment, Two Brothers, Two Picks. Each of us will give you two picks you must start in fantasy football this week. Yeah, so let's start off with the World Cup. I'll go first. I predicted France making it all the way. I did not predict Argentina. I thought that they would lose to Brazil, which obviously Brazil didn't make it because of Croatia. But I did get three of the four with Morocco predicting at the beginning of the knockout stages, which is pretty cool. And you you definitely disputed that. But it, we both You predicted Morocco going all the way against Portugal. Yeah, I, I predicted them beating Spain and Portugal and then losing against France. But anyway, that, that was all before like they even won the first two games. Exactly. But what I'm saying is both of us still had France making it. Neither of us had Argentina. Yeah. But now what we have now is Argentina versus France. And I don't think that it's going to be very close. I think France is just a pretty good team and all around just a better team than Argentina. I really want Messi to win it. Like This is going to be his best chance ever and most likely his last World Cup ever. And his best chance to win this. World Cup. That's the one thing that he's missing in his career. And with the World Cup win, especially with how he's playing, he's kind of playing like Bryce Harper, how Bryce Harper was playing a couple months ago in the World Series. Messi? I just Yeah, Messi for Argentina. And especially for Bryce Harper not ever having a World Cup and having his first deep postseason run, I think it's the same type of thing. This solidifies Messi as the GOAT in soccer, I believe, if he can, if he can win this World Cup. The, uh, on the other side, I feel like the Astros are, in this situation, France. They're just very good everywhere. On defense, obviously, the goalie's amazing. And then Mbappe leads their attack. They're just a, a good, too good team for uh, for Argentina to hold up. And even if it goes to 0-0 and goes to penalties eventually, because both teams are that strong defensively, I still think France comes out on top just because of the all-around better lineup. Is Messi the best player in this game? In my opinion, yes, absolutely. No, no. Absolutely, in my opinion, because I think he's the most valuable for his team and also just the best all around overall. But in this case, he just doesn't have the better team, and sometimes having the better support and cast really matters. The, I, I agree with your reasoning, but that's why I'm going with Argentina here. Now, <clears throat> I understand France has such a great attack. Mbappe, uh, Giroud, Teo Hernandez, who scored last game, but... Argentina is way better all around, and I think you... I under, No, that's not true. But Argentina has a very good supporting cast around Messi. Now, Messi is not built to score. He's built as a passer, and this supports this team really well. Just look, Julian Alvarez has had his second on Argentina in goals. Messi is there. They have so many guys there. They have um, Enzo Fernandez, McAllister, all these guys on Argentina that are just such great goal scorers, such contributors on the attack. The defense is not bad at all. It's going to have a tough time against France, but I think Messi finally, like sort of like Peyton Manning, in his final appearance in the World Cup in his last year, he's already said it's going to be his final World Cup. I think he goes out with a win. I think they win because he's been great in this in this World Cup. He's made so many great passes, if you guys saw that, that where he went right, then cut left, passed with his left foot, perfectly thread the needle to Julian Alvarez. This team is so great. They're built around Messi, and Messi's playing his best soccer in, I think, in any of his World Cups. So I would ha- I have to go with Argentina here. I understand Mbappe, Giroud, all these guys are on, on France. But France recently, I understand they put up two goals even while playing terrible. But still, um, 
it doesn't really matter. Argentina, I think, is a better team, and I think they're built to win the World Cup because they're so great all around. All right, now let's move to Steph Curry being hurt for three weeks out with a shoulder dislocation. And Arsh, I know you have a lot to say about this. Yeah, so number one, they're just not playing well enough to support Steph Curry. All of the players are not doing well enough to support Steph Curry. You know that I'm the biggest Jordan Poole fan. He was a breakout that I predicted last year at All-Star break. You remember, I said that when Wiggins got selected as an All-Star starter, I said that Jordan Poole is better than Wiggins. You laughed at me, and then Jordan Poole went off in the finals. He's been great this year, but he has not been great as of late. Neither has the whole team. The problem with the Golden State Warriors is Steph Curry needs to run the one, Jordan Poole needs to be starting at the two, getting starter minutes, and Clay Thompson at over the, who? And over Clay, Clay shifts over to the three. Oh, okay. So you need then who? Then you're benching who? Kaminga? I yeah, I think so because they need to understand they are a shooting team. You can't just have a bunch of big guys, a, a bunch of big men. And then Steph Curry out there. You saw what happened. Steph Curry had to play so much. He had to carry his team down at 20 at half when Steph Curry scored 27 points. That kind of wear and tear. And I know it was a freak injury that had Steph Curry get hurt. But that kind of wear and tear is just going to destroy your team. And it shows that your team is not good enough to compete without your star player. You should never be that dependent on your star player. They should be fine going forward. If they were down 20 with Steph Curry scoring 27 at before the second at half, half, at half, at halftime, how are they going to be in the next three weeks without him? It's going to be detrimental to them, and that's the problem. You need Jordan Poole to step up in these next three weeks. You need Klay Thompson to step back up in these next three weeks. And you, you just have to get better play from the, from the team, and they just have to learn to support Steph Curry. It's not a John Morant case where they're better without Steph Curry, even if they win more games. I still believe that Steph Curry is the best player in the NBA. Not the most valuable, how, but the best. How are they not supporting Steph if he had 27 points last night? He did have 27 points. Yeah, how are they not supporting him? But that's points. Then? That was for Steph Curry. I mean, supporting him so that he doesn't have to take the type of wear and tear he did take last night. I, I think That's not okay. My, my version of support is what the Warriors do off the ball for Steph Curry. They set so many screens. They do all these one-twos. Steph is so great off the screen. He's great off the dribble, off the pass, whatever. He gets the ball, pa he passes the ball to someone like Draymond Green. They set it, someone else sets a screen, he comes around, pass, shoot. That's what he's so good at. I think, I, I think you're going a little bit too much off the stats, and I think that's what you mean by support. I, by support, I mean a guy that is there on the court, makes a very, has a very good presence, and give Steph Curry the shots he needs. Like, it's sort of James, like James Harden in Houston when he won MVP. Like, you have to give James Harden those shots. And Steph Curry needs those shots. And they're giving him those shots. by They're supporting him by getting off-ball movement. They're centering him on the Warriors' offense. I think that is support. And I think the Warriors are doing a good job with that. Right, so did he have a good shooting night and a great... And a, and a ton of points, obviously, last yes. night before half? Yes. Why are they still down 20? That means that their team is not playing well enough to be able to support the performance that Steph is having. The team has to, if Steph shot well, he had a good shooting percentage and still scored points. Why are they not scoring? They're having the same amount of possessions. Basketball is not make it, take it. It's on the teammates. That's where, that's where you know that it's like the stats show it. Where are all those missed I think shots I think it's more defensively. I don't think it's offensively. I think it's more defensively. The Warriors are a very good offensive team. And but they're defensive. Their bigs are not are not great. We I mean Wiseman got called up for the fourth time this year. He's been sent down to the G League and back up four times. This team does not have a secure defender. 
uh, like they have Clay Thompson, who's obviously great shooting or uh, defending on the perimeter, and Steph Curry, when he wants to be a good defender, is very tenacious. But that's it. Beyond that, they don't have a good defender. So, so I think that's the bigger cast. problem. So that's still part of the supporting cast. Whether it's offensively, defensively, transition, fast breaks, or just someone that can bring the ball up the floor, which I don't believe they need. They have that in Steph. They just need a good supporting cast which is why I'm campaigning for them to either have their supporting cast develop and start playing better. They obviously have a star in Jordan Poole. They've got Andrew Wiggins locked up, but they need a good five. Or starting those three, playing Wiggins, and then maybe playing Kaminga. I, I don't know. I, they've just got to figure something out that's going to work for Steph Curry. There's no getting around it. Steph Curry is your guy. Without him, you saw what happened. So you've got to get Steph Curry the ball, and you've got to be able to help him as well, whether it's off-ball or getting the ball just to support him with your shots or your playmaking so that he doesn't get double-teamed or triple-teamed. They know that there's other dangerous players on the team. All right, finally, let's move on to our weekly segment, Two Brothers, Two Picks. Each of us will give you two fantasy football must-starts in fantasy. So I will start off, and it's the first week of the playoffs. You cannot afford to make a mistake. So make sure you guys trust us here. We are we're so great at these, and make sure you guys just pick these guys up. If you need someone at the flex or someone to start even in a position that's so bare, make sure you start these guys. So my first pick is Tutu Atwell, and he had an amazing game last week. He had uh, five catches on nine targets for 50 yards, 9.5, in PPR, 9.5 points. Now, Baker Mayfield has made a resurgence with the Rams. He obviously was incredible, and he was throwing to Tutu Atwell a lot. He was the short guy, the slant guy, the perimeter guy, not perimeter, sorry, the slot guy, and he took on that Cooper Cup role. Obviously, no one's going to play it to perfection like Cooper Cup does, but Tutu Atwell got the most targets on the team, had a lot, had one of the most receptions, and he didn't have that many yards, but he's used as like a Cooper Cup. His yards per catch are pretty low, but he will catch most of the things that are thrown his way, and he he is a reliable target for Baker Mayfield. Now, I think Tyler Higby is going to have a resurgence this week because Baker Mayfield, going back to his days at Oklahoma, has always fed his tight ends. Mark Andrews, um, Ian Thomas had was, was great two years last year and earlier this year. These guys are all very, very good, on, and the tight ends always play well, but I think Tutu Atwell got the most targets last week, was pretty reliable, Baker looked to, looked his way a lot, especially when they were deep in their own territory, and I think he's going to have a great week, so make sure you guys pick him up and start him. My first pick is also a tight end. I've got Chigozium Okonkwu. Um, he's a tight end. I picked him last week. He was only rostered in a couple of fantasy percent of fantasy leagues. I think it was less than ten. Yeah, and he had forty eight point five. I'm sorry, eighteen point five points. I was thinking of Evan Ingram. He had eighteen point five points. He had six targets, six receptions, forty five yards, and a touchdown. Now this week he's still only rostered in twenty percent of fantasy leagues, and just a guy that is going to produce again. He is. He was a tight end three last game, and then wow. if you go back two games ago, he had five targets. The game before, five targets, and he's just ramping up. And he's he's been catching touchdowns, like I said he would. He's been getting just better yards and receptions, and now he's playing a Chargers defense that isn't great, but isn't horrible against the pass. I think Tannehill's going to have a field day passing to this guy. I think he's going to have a great game. I think Robert Woods will as well, and Traylon Burks. And they will just have they'll just have a great passing game as well as a running game with um, Derrick Henry. So I've got him as well um, as another tight end for my first pick. 
All right, my second pick is a tight end. It's Juwan Johnson, the tight end for the New Orleans Saints. Now, look who they're playing this week. They're playing the Atlanta Falcons 26th, 26th best, so towards the end of the league in terms of tight end defense. Now, New Orleans has been, they've been very reliable in terms of passing to their tight ends. Just so basically, for let's look at week eight. He's got four targets, then two, seven, four, two. So Juwan Johnson is pretty hit or miss, but he's a guy that's on most waiver wires. He's only rostered in eight in fifteen percent of leagues. He's a guy that is very he's touchdown dependent, but he's on the year he's tight end seventeen. He averages eight points a game. He's he's been really really good, and when he's healthy, he's turned to a lot from Andy Dalton. So he's a guy that I think you should absolutely pick up. Now look, week nine. He had, four t- he had 12 points, week 10, 15, week 11, 14, week 12, he got zero. He didn't catch any of his two targets. Now, this is what I mean. In each of those three weeks where he had over 10 points, he caught a touchdown. So that's pretty much his main game. He's targeted a lot in the red zone, though. So if the Saints can get the ball moving, which I think they will against a team that's not great against the pass, let alone against tight ends, I think that Juwan Johnson is going to be a valuable contributor, especially in a position that's so scarce. Like this year, Kyle Pitts has been hurt. Dallas Goddard is back. But the, Zach Ertz is hurt. And this position in general is already very scarce. So finding a guy that's as that's reliable is going to be very tough. So Juwan Johnson, I think, is a guy that you should plug and play just a dip, matchup dependent. So this week, yes. Yeah, and my second pick is going to be, I think, the best pick up that you could possibly make. Rex Burkhead, he's the running back for the uh, Houston Texans. The starter now that Damian Pierce is going to be out for at least three weeks. He's rostered in only 11% of weeks leagues, but in the one game that he was the starter at the beginning of the year, he had 14 attempts for 40 yards, 8 targets in the receiving game, 5 receptions for 30 yards, and then in the receiving game, I mean, he's been amazing. He's had eight targets, three targets, five targets, five targets, three targets, six targets, one, two, two, zero, two, and then one. But those one and twos were as a backup. He's back as a starter where he was at the beginning of the year. And he's had great games so far. I mean, he's had a 12-point game, a 14.9-point game, and in games that he wasn't the starter. But he's just such a big factor in the receiving game. He may be one of the best receiving backs in the game at age 32. Still able to grind the ball as a running back as well up the middle. He's got speed, and he's just a great add-on for whoever's going to be starting for the Texans this week. I know they switched out through quarterbacks last Kyle week. Kyle Allen, Davis Mills, it goes back and forth. But yeah, yeah I think you're, I, like, I agree with you there. I think he's a, P, in PPR leagues, that's a very good pickup. I think that's exactly, that's exactly the point. 